And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes to... And the Oscar to... goes to... My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Yeah. All real man. Love is, is love. too weak a word. Stay back. I, I, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I did as you Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie! Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. And the Oscar goes to Green Book. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the next Best Picture Podcast, episode 158. For the first time in three years, we took a break, mostly because I was over at the Telluride Film Festival where I did not get a chance to record an episode, but here we are, two weeks later from episode 157 with 158, and boy oh boy do we have a lot to cover this week, not just in terms of trailers, but also the three festivals, Venice, Telluride, and TIFF. We're going to have our very own Dan Baer call in from the Toronto International Film Festival. Let us know what's going on over there on the ground. We've got trailers for The Aeronauts, Two Popes, Waves, The Laundromat, The King, Just Mercy, and we're going to answer your questions as well. Here to help me do it because my oh my is it a lot of content this week. I've got Michael Schwartz. Hello, everyone. Casey Lee Clark. Wow. Lauren LaMagna. Good morning, everyone. And Josh Parm. Hello, hello. Okay, so normally, normally, I would start us off by asking everyone, what did you all see this week? But because this was a two-week break, and I know that some of us saw some stuff, some of us didn't see some stuff, you know, and we have an Ed Chapter 2 currently up on the uh, podcast for people to check out as well, I figured we would just dive right into the polls this week and just kind of wrap that up a little bit here. So why don't we just do that? So for last week's poll, I asked everyone which is their favorite horror movie sequel to tie into It Chapter 2. Lots of choices listed including Aliens, Scream 2, The Conjuring, Saw 2, Devil's Rejects, Dawn of the Dead, Halloween 2, Final Destination 2. I mean, there was definitely quite a bit of uh, choices to go around here. The top five results as voted on by the MVP film community at number five is It Chapter 2, which... I've been hearing is doing pretty well with audiences considering it's three hour runtime and people definitely seem to uh, like it a little bit more than the critics do. So it's got that going for it. Plus, there's like a Bill Hader craze going on right now, I suppose. (laughs) People are finally catching on. (laughs) Uh, Number four with 13 votes is Evil Dead 2. Awesome choice. So good. Uh, Number three with 16 votes is The Conjuring 2. Solid sequel, in my opinion. Number two. With 20 votes is Scream 2, which I'm sure will make Ryan C. Showers pretty happy. And in number one, you know, I almost like hesitated to put this on the list because I'm not exactly sure if it's really a quote unquote horror movie per se. But the first one was definitely a horror film. It is with 36 votes, James Cameron's film Aliens. Yeah, it did seem like it was going to be destined uh, to be the winner of this poll. It's beloved. I mean, it's great. I don't know. Would you consider it to have horror elements, really, though? Um, I, I would not necessarily call it a horror movie. And I think that actually that's the thing that kind of distinguishes itself is that it did go more into the action route. But 
there's horror elements in it. And as you said, it's a sequel to a flat out horror movie. So I think it can qualify for this poll. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, so now for this week's poll, we are asking everyone with the release of Hustlers coming out, which is getting some good notices out of Toronto, more on that in a little bit, we are asking everyone which is their favorite Jennifer Lopez performance, an actress who, uh, quite frankly, I think has had quite a rocky filmography throughout her career, but there are some good, you know, notices in there, I would say. The list includes movies such as U-Turn, Parker, Monster-in-Law, Enough, Jersey Girl, Hustlers, of course, The Cell, Out of Sight, Selena. What do you guys think here? Uh, Any particular J-Lo performances that have stood out over the years to you? Uh, Well, for me, I think I would definitely say Out of Sight is the one that sticks in my mind the most. I think that is her performance that really capitalizes on her charm and screen presence. And she's got great chemistry with Clooney in that film. I think to me that's like the quintessential, like, movie star performance from her. And I think that would be my pick as my favorite. Yeah, I feel like that and Selena are probably the consensus picks. Yeah, Selena is just a classic. I think when Jennifer Lopez gets a good script and a good character, she really does perform. But like those people that do, you know, tend to go for, you know, the pop stardom, it's very hard for them to find those good roles for them because, again, the industry only sees them as these types of performers. But I do think once she gets those parts she does remind us hey i'm a good actor too you know i'm not the jennifer lopez expert on this podcast i'm just (laughs) gonna jump on board with out of sight i I really can't think of anything outside from that and monster-in-law well you could always just say anaconda you know just for fun (laughs) (laughs) you you think i've seen anaconda absolutely (laughs) (laughs) if not on the tv screen definitely in your dreams i'm sure (laughs) god i have such memories of that movie as a kid John Voight in that movie haunts us all in our dreams. <laughs> Did he get eaten by the anaconda in that movie? And spat back out and then winks at us. It's amazing. Yeah. My God. <laughs> it's so Seriously, if you have not <laughs> seen Anaconda. I don't I don't blame the anaconda for spitting out John Voight. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, we'll head on over to the polls page over at nextbestpicture.com. Cast your vote over there. Let us know which is your favorite Jennifer Lopez performance. Perhaps you have seen Hustlers. I've been hearing from quite a lot of people that this is absolutely her best performance so far and might even get her some Oscar buzz going for it. So pretty exciting stuff there, I would say, all around. Speaking of Oscar buzz, Telluride. Telluride came, it went, I was there, first time ever. And it was an amazing experience. I am like still kind of coming off the high of my time over there. It is everything that everyone says it is. It's basically kind of like a like a fairy tale place to quote in Bruges. It's, it really, really is. You know, it's cobble streets. There is these little tiny shops uh, going around. It almost feels like you're in Disneyland to a certain extent. It's It's very it feels magical, you know. And the experience of being there and seeing the world premieres of some very, very big Oscar films definitely also has its appeal as well. But then there's just also the laid back quality of the festival. People kind of just walking down the streets, being very casual. There's not a lot of if no, there's no now that I'm thinking about no paparazzi whatsoever. So everybody just seems to be really, really chill at this point particular film festival um i definitely have some recaps i want to talk about here in terms of some of the movies that i saw some of them are tying into uh some trailers that we're going to talk about so why don't i walk you through it this way let me walk you through like chronologically 
what exactly I saw. And then when we get up to certain films that have trailers, we'll talk about the trailer, what you guys thought, and I'll let you know what my experience was on those. Starting us off, though, uh, Ford v. Ferrari, which I think is maybe James Mangold's best movie. Which is probably saying a lot, considering Logan and Walk the Line were uh, pretty beloved. Yeah, very, very beloved. But in terms of like a surefire Oscar movie that could get like nominations in a lot of different categories, I would say that this is definitely one of those movies. It's a tech player. It could be an above the line player for Mangold, for Christian Bale, which I know there's still some question over whether he's going to go supporting or lead. I, I I don't know where I weigh in on that. I, that's really tough for me. He has to go lead. I, I think if he goes lead, I don't think he makes it. He might not make it, but I think it would just, from what I understand, be such blatant category fraud to put him supporting. When does that stop them in the past? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Any questions on Ford v. Ferrari? Yeah, it sounds like a big tech contender. And, you know, if it, I think it could go one of two ways. It could go the route of the Martian or a first man. Not that this is a space movie. I just think there are recent examples of mainstream adult movies that have either sorted the box office or, you know, to use a racing term here, crashed and burned. But uh, I think it's all going to depend on box office, whether this is a few nominations below the line or big best picture, best director contender. And I have some confidence that I think it is going to do pretty well at the box office. I don't think it has the baggage that First Man had coming out of its festival run and it, it just seems like the impression I get is that it is going to perform as like a general crowd pleaser. And I think that's going to be a really big boost to it with its Oscar chances. It's like a traditional studio movie that does everything it needs to do in terms of being good with the text, a very solid, well-balanced ensemble. I mean, it's a two and a half hour runtime, so it has enough breathing room to tell the story that it needs to, but also with character nuance that really makes you emotionally invested in the story. I, th I think it's a very solid movie. I mean, yeah, Michael, I think you're right on the money, though, that this is going to be either a big studio player like The Martian, and I think that will depend a lot on the film's box office, or it could go by the way of First Man and just be a tech player. Because let me tell you guys something. The sound work of those engines in this movie, during some of those racing scenes, whew, <laughs> awesome. Mm. Awesome yeah, sound this work. This is a movie I think I'd pay extra to see in like RPX or one of the premium formats. Yeah. Just for that sound. And uh, also a little bit more insight, like Marco Beltrami's score is also really, really good. I thought it really came alive, especially in the uh, in the finale of the movie. And the editing, I mean, but here's another comparison that we can make here. Another very solid racing movie that didn't get a single Oscar nomination is Rush. Yeah, but again, Rush also bombed at the box office. That's the story here. Is Ford v. Ferrari going to be a box office movie or not? Well, again, Chris Hemsworth circa 2013, Daniel Bruhl, you know, they're a little different than Damon and Bill. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that their star power does make a difference. And this also just feels a little bit more, even though it is about Le Mans and it's not an American race, especially, it's still an American company. And I think that has a little bit more resonance with the population than what uh, Rush was doing. So I think there's a lot of potential for this movie to make a good bit of money. I just, the fact that my dad keeps asking me like, when is Ford v Ferrari yep. coming out? I think just that already tells me, I think there's anticipation for it. Yeah. My mom texted me and was like, did you read Matt's review for Ford v Ferrari? <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
No, yeah, that and Joker are my brother's number one and two for the season, 100%. He can't wait for this. It's a commercial film. Everyone's excited for it, and it draws people in, but it does have that upper level of just the creative team behind it that could push it up. I definitely agree with, with everyone that box office definitely is going to play a huge part in the awards circuit of this film, but from a commercial, like, normal moviegoer perspective, it looks like a fun time. So I can't wait to go see it. And there were people, too, at Telluride that I thought were not going to enjoy this movie that actually ended up really enjoying it, mostly because we all kind of went in with the expectation of this is going to be your dad's favorite film of the year. But I was very, very surprised, like I said, at the level of character nuance that really kind of helped to separate this. And there is a really, really good message in the movie as well. It's not it's not just a typical, quote unquote, dude, bro kind of movie. I heard people comparing it to the right stuff. You know what? I, I like that comparison. It's not a bad comparison, in my opinion. Hi, guys. I'm Dane. And I'm Daniel. And we're from the IMDb Journey podcast. Where we break down every movie from the top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. But when we're not doing that, we also battle other podcasts in various movie-related games of trivia and drafts. We also give quick reviews about every other film we've watched as well. Yeah, here we're quite good too. Yeah, if you guys don't believe us, why don't you listen to these genuine testimonies? Oh, hey guys, you guys are really good. I love your chemistry. Oh, hey, Brew, it's uh, this is a this is a good podcast, yo. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, love the banter, guys. Keep it up. I'm DB Jenny. Is one of my favorite podcasts of all time. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic testimonies. Oh, thanks, guys. Absolutely genuine and real. <laughs> And if you want to give a genuine testimony as well, go ahead and search for IMDb Journey. You can find us on all your favorite podcast sites, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. So come along and join our journey. First trailer now. We're going to move over to, uh, I saw the world premiere of The Aeronauts with Felicity Jones and Eddie Redmayne. We did receive a trailer for this one. Uh, I want to hear what you guys think, initial impressions on it. Let's talk about it. I believe there are answers in the sky. Up there is where I have found the greatest happiness. Gentlemen, to predict the weather could save hundreds of thousands of lives. We are scientists, not fortune tellers. You'll get your chance. They'll realize your worth. I think they know my worth quite well enough. Prove them wrong, James. I'm a really good aeronaut. I want to use what I'm good at. Women don't belong in balloons. And she makes such a show of herself. Miss Wren, I need to make studies of the air. I'm not a coachman for hire. You are the only person who could fly us higher than anyone has ever been. So will you? Begins. Don't you wish to be up there with them? Some reach for the stars. Some push others towards them. We're about to get wet. Is this balloon not the strongest it's ever been? Even so, it can't fight the weather. Oh, God! I have a feeling they're not coming back. We're traveling into an unknown. Stay alive. 
silence is golden here. <laughs> in line, women really don't pretty. belong in balloons. <laughs> I will say that it looks really pretty. I like the visuals of it. And I do love Felicity Jones and Eddie Redman together. I loved the theory of everything. I think they're so cute and like awkward. And I love when they do interviews together. And I'm so excited to see them back. But as far as like awards we're looking at, I see like you this I see special effects and I see the creatives. I don't see it making Best Picture or Felicity or Eddie getting in anywhere. I removed it from Best Picture and I removed Felicity Jones from Actress the minute I saw the movie. Not because they're bad or the movie is bad, but I personally think it's a very narratively uneven film. But the technicals, I think, are really outstanding. Yeah, you can get that from the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I really was kind of taken by the visuals of of the film, and it it kind of exists in a time period that I kind of have an affection for, at least from an aesthetic uh, perspective. So I was really intrigued to see it just from that. Yeah, there's like lines in there that seem really cheesy, and I don't get the greatest impression that the story is going to be all that good, but. I don't know, just from the little bit I saw, it seemed like it would be impressive from a visual perspective. Yeah, I would say that the third act especially, um, there there were comparisons that were made to gravity. And while I don't think that the camera work or anything like that is at the level of something like gravity, I understand where the comparison is coming from. And it is pretty nail-biting in that third act, and it's really suspenseful, and it's almost like it makes you queasy watching it, especially if you have a fear of heights. Mm. Uh, They're 30,000 feet in the air, and Felicity Jones is trying to balance herself on this balloon, and just some of the shots they use to, like, establish the height and the scale of it all, I mean, it, it, it... I am surprised as all hell that Amazon is not putting this in 3D or in IMAX for its theatrical yeah. release. Yeah, because so like upset. this is a film that I'll go to the theaters just to see, just to see it on a big screen. Like if it wasn't like in the sky with all these like great visuals, like it was just this normal story, I would maybe wait for you know for it to go on you know streaming platform or like it's on it's going to be on Amazon. But seeing the shots and seeing like what it's going to be, I want to see this on a big screen, and I kind of want to go to like maybe IMAX and go see something like that. And it's a shame that it won't happen as I won't get the opportunity to see it as. I want to. One other final note I will uh, make about this is that um, I think the costumes in this movie are pretty outstanding. I don't know if you guys got a gist of that from the trailer at all, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was like the one technical that for me I was like, if anything, if anything, this is getting a costume design nomination. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it could be that movie that gets like one nomination. Uh, Maybe like Mary Queen of Scots where it gets that in like visual effects or something and those are two below the line nominations serves its presence and then we move on yeah i mean even makeup uh because in the third act you know they get to pretty cold temperatures and there's frostbite and things like that that come into play and i was really uh i was really impressed like every single technical element of this movie you know cinematography the score by stephen price i mean there's a lot of really good stuff here it's just i just wish the narrative was a little bit stronger so wait so how long are they in the balloon like, do, are they in, up there for days or months? No, or like, what's it's deal? one day. One day? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's it. Yeah. I was going to say, like, uh, I, I thought this was like a multi-day exploration they were doing. I'm like, where do they sleep? How do they eat? What, what's the deal? No, they're up, they're in there for one day, but it's like a couple of hours, essentially. Okay. And she gets frostbite after all that? Well, you got to remember, when you she start to... High. Yeah. She goes high. 
<laughs> you do when you when you get up to that uh, height, and the air just starts to uh, you know pretty much disappear, and it gets, gets cold. A little chilly. Oh yeah. <laughs> We'll have to get her a North Face for the next time she goes. <laughs> All righty. Uh, next film I saw up at Telluride actually, oh man, turned out to be my least favorite film at the festival, and that was Uncut Gems, the new film from the Safdie brothers uh, starring Adam Sandler in what I will definitely concede is, I think, his best performance to date. And I admire the Safdie brothers' work. I, I really, really love Heaven Knows What. And I really enjoyed Good Time. But there was something about this movie in the way that it was edited, the way that the sound was uh, put in. It, it reminded me of Interstellar where the sound and the music is so loud that it overpowered the dialogue. And there's multiple, multiple scenes in this movie where characters, multiple characters in uh, a room are shouting at one another and the dialogue is overlapping. And you just can't make out what is being said and what is going on. And it's meant to actually produce this kind of uneasy, uncomfortable, anxiety-inducing feeling. But instead, for me, it turned out to be nails on a chalkboard. Mm. I know there were people there that really dug it, though. Well, that's like with a lot of their their work from the, from the Safdie brothers. And I feel like, obviously, they are polarizing filmmakers. And I've only seen good time from them. And I really do feel like Without Robert Pattinson's performance, I really wouldn't be into that movie as much as I ended up being. So I I don't know. I'm like cautiously wanting to like this movie, but I, I'm not sure if I'm going to really be into it. I think Michael's going to like it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am going to see this because I do like Adam Sandler quite a bit. And there's some supporting cast members. I hear Judd Hirsch is in it and Adina Menzel. I don't know the capacity of their roles, but I'm always interested to see what they're doing. So, you know, there's enough interest here that I think I could get past the crazy elements. I hope so. But uh, whether I end up liking it or not, uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm just intrigued either way. I mean, this will be interesting because I will be kind of shocked and thrilled if Michael likes Uncut Gems more than I did. So <laughs> that'll definitely be one for the books, in my opinion. Yeah, that's going to be like when I revealed that I liked Under the Skin, and I don't think you've gotten over that. No, I still haven't. I, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I still, still perplexed. I haven't gotten over that you watched Under the Skin. <laughs> All righty, so now, uh, this was big. Next up, I saw A24's film Waves from Trey Edward Schultz. Uh, we did receive a trailer for this one shortly after Telluride, so I want to talk about that trailer, and I want to give you guys my thoughts on it without ruining anything, because it is so good. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not rude. It doesn't boast. Love also forgets wrong. I will always love you. How I do. It's been hard, hasn't it? Let go of a prayer for you. How you doing with everything? I'm good. Just a sweet word. You know it's okay if you're not. Table is prepared for you. I'm trying to give you the tools to succeed in this world. It's not easy out there. Everything I do is for you. Everything. I know you're under a lot of pressure right now, but I'm just getting really scared. But you'll have this place to call home. Everything's gonna be okay, all right? Always. We're in this together.
knows I've held on to way too much hate in my life. But all we have is now. All we have is now. Holy shit. Yep. Cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I remember when Matt tweeted this trailer, and I think my tweet was, whoa, I, that's all I can say right now. I There's so much going on, and it's just, I'm intoxicated by it, by the visuals and by the music and by the little glimpses of the performances that I see could potentially be amazing. And it's something where I am hooked into it. It has my attention. I think the only other trailer that got my attention like this was maybe Portrait of a Lady on Fire this season. And I'm going to be running to a theater as soon as this comes out. That's all I can say. Yeah, this is like jumped up to near the top of my most anticipated. I feel like I've rewatched this trailer so many times and like I've been reading every review and thing that I feel like I can get my hands on because I'm just like fascinated by it and it feels like the kind of movie that I definitely will fall in love with. You know, I learned my lesson from Oscar season 2016 after Moonlight premiered. There was a premiere in uh, Telluride. That's where it first debuted. And I was reading the reactions People were effusive with praise, and I thought, oh, that's nice. It's going to end up on a lot of top 10 lists, maybe do well with the critics, but it's never going to go anywhere near Oscars. Maybe screenplay at the most, but, you know, this isn't going to be an Oscar thing. Obviously, we all know how that turned out. So when this premiered with the reviews that it did, it almost reminded me of Moonlight with that Florida setting and, you know, just a movie that really seemed to be taking the festival by storm. So now I'm like, okay, we're going all in. This is going to be a top contender, no doubt about it, and let's just see where it lands. But yes, it does look excellent from the trailer. It definitely has the critical praise going for it. That's going to be a huge boost to it going into the rest of the season. And yeah, I just agree that it looks great. I am such an admirer of Trey Edward Schultz. I have liked both of his previous films, but I am such a huge fan of Cretia. I think that's one of the great like debuts from a filmmaker. And I was just astounded by what he did with that film. So I'm so excited that he's got a new movie out and people seem to also really love this one too. And it definitely is near the top of my list of anticipated titles for the year. I really can't wait to see it. It is such an absolute emotional knockout of a movie. I cried twice while watching it. And I think the trailer does a really, really great job of giving you a sense of what part of the movie is like and maybe also just the overarching theme of the film. It's really much a film about love and forgiveness, but I want to caution you guys that uh, the movie's also um, very, very dark. And there is a similar pattern here in Trey Edward Schultz's uh, previous two films along with this one in that all three of his movies, Cretia, It Comes at Night, and Now Waves, all focus on uh, a story about family, but all three are very, very dark stories. This one in particular, uh, there is a uh, shift in the movie, and uh, I would say you can you can almost say the movie is divided into two halves. The first half is incredibly dark, and then the second half is kind of like dealing with the aftermath of that and... Um, that's where, you know, you get a lot of the uh, the emotion and, uh, you know, you get some really, really amazing uh, affecting scenes from Sterling K. Brown and Taylor Russell, who I, someone said to me she was in escape room. But otherwise, I feel like I haven't seen her in anything else. Mm. And she is amazing in this. Lucas Hedges has a small role, but man, does he continue to knock it out of the park. And 
Listen, you all know I love Kelvin Harrison Jr. and Loose. I think he's even better in Waves. Wow. Mm. He's pretty fantastic in Loose. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm going out on a limb and I'm predicting that there will be at least one major critics group this year that will give him their best actor prize for both Loose and Waves. I'm, I'm like so sure of it. Now, in terms of awards with him at the Oscars, you know, it's interesting to me to watch his career trajectory because he's had a great year, obviously, with these two movies. But Oscars has something against nominating young male actors in lead. They're fine with doing it with the actors, but young male actors tend to have a hard time. So even if he doesn't make it into like an Oscar category this year, I could see this just propelling him to stardom and becoming like, you know, a big household name in the next year or so i agree and then he'll get like his big oscar play maybe start in like supporting and then go up and become an oscar winner one in the very near future like this movie has prospects for all the acting categories because there's not a single bad performance in this film director screenplay the text and below the line now these are all just prospects and i was talking with uh, sasha stone from awards daily about this because i sat with her for the movie And I turned to her and I said, is this what it was like when Moonlight premiered? Just like the overall feeling in the room and this like sense of like, just wow, wasn't expecting that. Holy crap. And, you know, that movie could go all the way to a Best Picture win. And she told me yes. And I think we're both in agreement that it has the goods to get maybe not a win, but like a nomination at least. So right now, like as of today, I currently have it predicted for Picture Sterling K. Brown in Supporting Actor. Um, and I also have it in for uh, two of the uh, techs as well. I have it in now for uh, Cinematography. And I also have it in for... Um, I, I think this could change, but I do have it currently in for uh, uh, Best Original Score for Atticus Ross and uh, Trent Reznor. So, I mean, there's a lot to really, really like about this one, for sure. And who knows where else it will play. Maybe it'll be an even bigger contender than what I'm predicting right now. Um, I think Trey Edward Schultz is still a very fairly new talent. And so I don't know if I see them embracing him in this sort of way. Um, It would have to be a top five best picture contender in order for that to happen. And I don't know if I see that so much with this just yet. I want to see how the rest of the season shakes out. But man, oh man, Sterling K. Brown, guys. I I would put him in your predictions list at this point. I really would. Oh, I could... I totally see a win for him if the category is shaping up the way I see it. He's just in the perfect spot right now. Household name, Emmy winner, two-time Emmy winner, leads one of the most popular shows on network television. Yeah, this seems like he's bound for Oscar glory from what I understand. I was actually thinking of Longshot when Bob Odenkirk's like, you know, only two actors have ever made the jump from TV to film. Woody Harrelson, George Clooney, and... That's that's pretty much it. <laughs> like, yeah, well, and then I was like, well, add Sterling K. Brown to that list, bastard, because uh, he is just whew, he is so, so good in this. And I think you guys can kind of get a sense of that in the trailer, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's one of my favorites. And like the thought of him even like getting nominated, like I'm like, oh, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely be excited. We will definitely be talking about this one a lot. Um, and, you know, I mean, there is a but there is a question mark though with A24. In the sense of, you know, last year they did very little to zero campaigning for any of their movies. And it's kind of tough to say what they're going to do with this one. But I do believe that the late fall release puts it in a better position than any of their contenders were obviously last year. Yeah, I think that helps. I think they're positioning this like Ladybird. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I'm with you on that. Down to the release date. Mm-hmm. I think I think they definitely have confidence in it, and these reviews that, that have come out for it uh, definitely showcase that. Hello, everyone. This is JD from the In Session Film Podcast. Each week, we review the latest from Hollywood, California. Well, yes, Brendan. We also give top three lists. Okay. Yeah. Thanks again, Brendan. Additionally, you can hear us talk other movie news, trailers, varying movie series, or other interesting film-related topics, and even rants and raves of the week. That's correct, Brendan. On top of our main show, every Friday... You can also hear our extra film podcasts. Good job, Brendan. Thank you, JD. It's my goal to make you proud. You're the father, after all. <laughs> yes, and I'm very proud. Uh, you can listen to the In Session Film podcast on... iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or at InSessionFilm.com. Brendan, will you please let me complete just one... Nope. Oh, for heaven's sake. Listen to the In Session Film podcast every Monday and Friday. Subscribe today and hear me verbally beat JD like a Cherokee drum. No, 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 no. That's Are not how this works, sir. Hey, no, you, you, no, no, you no. go cry at Midnight Special again, oh, okay? okay? That's what you're I good will. for. I will. You know what? And I'll do it while pummeling you. I'll do both at the same time. How are you going to pummel me? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't buy it. That's just how <laughs> it works. So then uh, after Waves, I saw the world premiere of The Two Popes starring Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins. And this was one that I I can say that I liked. Um, the praise for this from some others was pretty through the roof. And definitely, I don't want to say it caught me off guard necessarily, but I don't know. I just, I, I, well, I'll tell you what. Why, why, don't we, why don't we watch the trailer for this one? And I would love to hear what you guys think based on the trailer. And we'll talk about some of the reactions it had out of Telluride as a result. Do you know the Beatles? Yes, I know, but who they are? Of course you do. <laughs> Eleanor Rigby. Who? Eleanor Rigby. No, I don't know. You know, Yellow Submarine. Dum, 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 dum. Yellow Submarine? That's silly. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> You've been one of my harshest critics. The way you live is a criticism. Your shoes are a criticism. You don't like my shoes? You think you know better? We are no longer part of this world. You know, the hardest thing is to listen, to hear his voice, God's voice. It's not me who needs to be satisfied. It's 1.2 billion believers. Science! You know, there's a saying. God always corrects one pop by presenting the world with another pop. I should quite like to see my correction. You know, I saw this trailer when it first premiered. And, you know, it looks like a conversation piece, which, Matt, I assume this movie is, unless you know differently having seen it. Well, th th there are um, some carefully woven flashbacks to um, Pope Francis's uh, previous life in Argentina during the Dirty War. And yeah, for the most part, it's like a series of conversations that take place between him and Anthony Hopkins. Okay, so it's them talking for majority of the movie. Yes, yes. It's mostly okay, a two-hander. So I saw that, and it looks like great performances, totally probably worthy of Oscar nominations. I get all that. But there was still a part of me that didn't want to put uh, Pope Benedict on a pedestal. You know, there's some really controversial elements about his time with the church. And I didn't want this movie to sort of gloss over that just to be able to watch these two actors. So I was really hesitant 
after watching this trailer. But then the reviews came out from people I really trust, not just you, but, you know, everyone else at Telluride. And they were pretty rapturous. So I have really changed my tune after seeing the trailer. And I'm more interested to hear what you and now what everyone else thinks about it. This definitely was a movie that I felt like we had to at least take into some kind of consideration. But after the reviews hit and the really positive notices it was getting came out, it it definitely became a much more serious contender for me. And this definitely feels like a movie that can appeal to that old guard of the Academy that likes to see these older actors just kind of embody these roles and get these, you know, great scenes to play off of each other. And it seems like that's something really going for it. And the other thing to take into account is this is written by Anthony McCartan, who has had three best actor winners for his script so far. And I think that is something to really take into consideration for this film. I will say that the script by Anthony McCartan is by far, I think, the best element of this movie hands down because it is smart um it's witty it is surprisingly hilarious i did not expect in the trailer i don't think does a good job of this either i did not expect this movie to be absolutely as funny as it was because you do have anthony hopkins more conservative uh uptight you know holier than thou <laughs> type of religious figure and then you have jonathan price who is very much a man of the people uh very charismatic and definitely more up to date on things within pop culture and the contrast in these two men's personalities uh creates for some genuinely really funny moments between the two that i just i was not expecting that i thought this was going to just be like a, almost like a one-act play between these two heavyweight veterans and it kind of is like a bit of that for sure. But man, oh man, was this entertaining. And that was like the word I was not expecting to use uh, heading out of this was just a crowd-pleasing entertainment uh, type of film. Well, what I don't expect to hear is Anthony McCartan's script is the best thing about the movie. <laughs> I think it's the best mm-hmm. script he's, he's written. Well, that's not a high bar to clear for me. Uh, that's fair. I mean, I like the Darkest Hour script personally. Um, but I, I, and I know that obviously he's got his fans within the Academy. Uh, you know, I, I would go so far as to say, like, I, w- I would put this uh, definitely screenplay and price in your prospect list for sure. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't won yet either. Who? Uh, McCartney, right? No, he's been nominated. Oh, no, Jonathan Price, Price has never been nominated. Nope. Yeah, this will be his first. And I could certainly see this race mm-hmm. at the end of the day coming down to him and Adam Driver, who I know we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, I could see them being like the two duking it out at the end. Oh, we're about to talk about Adam Driver right now. Because <laughs> uh, my next film up uh, was another Netflix film, and it was Marriage Story, which got this unanimous over-the-top praise at Venice. And there was such hype for this movie at Telluride, I can't even begin to tell you. Adam Driver received a tribute at the festival, uh, which was a little weird because he's still a little young. But when they played his reel, you just like realize how many different masters he has worked with and just how consistently solid he has been so far in his career. I mean, the guy just is on fire. And I honestly really believe, especially on the heels of the Black Klansman nomination last year for supporting actor, I am so, so confident that he is going to get a lead actor nomination for uh, Marriage Story and quite possibly even a win. That's the kind of hot streak he is on right now. Let's talk about Marriage Story. Uh, This 
Uh, without getting into review territory here, I will just say this. It is the best film of Noah Baumbach's career. It is the best performance that Adam Driver's ever given. It's the best performance that Scarlett Johansson has ever given. Alan Alda, Laura Dern, great supporting characters. And yes, there are even some tech uh, players that could also be involved in this one below the line for things like best film editing and Randy Newman's score, too. If, if you know, the Academy really wholly embraces this film across the board. But man, oh, man, is this the real deal? This is this is phenomenal. I'm so excited for this film. It truly is, you know, the actors film. Like, yeah, there's a there's probably a little bit of like technical stuff going on, but it's about the acting, it's about the writing, it's about the directing. And I am so excited to see this. I'm really, even though Scarlett Johansson is a PR and nightmare, I'm really glad that she's finally getting out of that sex icon, hot girl stereotype and really showing the world what she can do. I'm super excited for Adam Driver. He's one of my favorites and he's again as you said Matt slowly has been building everything up and I love Bombback the guy deserves all the praise and either he comes and then he goes away and now he's back and I just can't I want to it's my number one film and I really it's my projected for best picture and I am super duper excited about it like I haven't heard anything bad about it one other thing, too, I didn't touch upon just now, um, and kind of similar to The Two Popes in a sort of way, is the movie also is not a doom and gloom movie like Blue Valentine or Revolutionary Road. Uh, there is quite a bit of humor in Marriage Story. There, there are some scenes that are just laugh out loud, hysterically funny, that had my audience howling with laughter. So there's a great balance here, I feel like. It really has all the ingredients to do extremely well. And it's no surprise to me that Netflix considers it to be one of their two major uh, ponies in this year's uh, race. There are, you just said, Lauren, uh, some issues, I think, involving Scarlett Johansson's uh, comments in the media that Mm -hmm. if she continues to do this, I think will hurt her. But if it were to stop now, I I think she will be okay. I don't think she's going to stop, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I well, don't I think, think she is. I think something else maybe to consider is, especially with what happened with some people last year, is that, you know, sometimes if they just really like the movie, it might not really matter what you have said and done in the past, that they'll just want to reward you anyway. And bad PR, good PR, it's still PR at the end of the day. It keeps the name in the conversation. And for a film that's premiering this early in the season, who knows, you know, who knows? My heart goes out to her poor publicist at this time. <laughs> the other thing, too, that I know that there was a bit of conversation around this. Um, this is something that could impact the film at some point. I don't know where this is going to go necessarily, but it's very, very clear while one is watching this that this is definitely Noah Baumbach's most personal film because it is about him coming to grips, I think, with what happened with him and Jennifer Jason Leigh. Mm-hmm. And I could see this hurting. I could see this hurting them, possibly, at some point. I don't it, like because there was talk about it. Well, like that, it would be too much of a like biased perspective for the film. Well, you got to remember he he left he left Jennifer Jason Lee while she was pregnant, and that's just not a good look. And while that doesn't necessarily happen in this movie. The story, uh, obviously, I think has a lot of elements that are 
heavily tied into that relationship. And I, I overheard some people saying, uh, I think, yeah, I think it was Sasha who said that she feels that he made this movie for his his son to explain like why the split happened uh, between them. And I think just wherever you kind of uh, personally fall on the viewpoint of what happened in that personal relationship between those two people um, could color your viewpoint of this movie. Because as much as also, too, I want to say that the movie is 50-50 in terms of Driver and Scarlett Johansson, it really is more like 60-40 because it's clear that Bombeck, um sees himself more in the Adam Driver uh, character as the writer of this film. And so it's only natural that he would have more POV scenes than Johansson does. But I do think that in terms of the argument and what each character is, you know, kind of throwing at the other, both in terms of praise and also in terms of their critical faults about one another, I think that is equally balanced, if that makes sense. Like, if, if Noah is writing Driver to be like his own uh, surrogate like type of uh, character for himself. I don't think that he writes himself in a positive light. I think that he also paints that character to have um, quite a quite a, a great deal of many flaws. You know what I mean? And he doesn't just get away scot-free necessarily with this. Yeah, what I see hurting the film is definitely people's perspectives about it. It's definitely feeling much more an external than an internal. The film itself, I think, would be is going to be solid. And I haven't heard anything really negative about it. It's going to be, again, people's perspective of, you know, what's the inspiration behind it? What is Bombag really saying? And then people reacting to what Scarlett Johansson is saying, you know, next week. So I think those <laughs> things are going to drive people. I think those are, that's what's, go- if something's going to hurt the film, it's going to be people's assumptions or people's, like, reacting to things like that. I don't think it's the film itself that's going to drive people away, but, you know, stuff around the film and stuff around the creators is going to hurt it. Yeah. Uh, next film I saw up at Telluride. Guys, Renee Zellweger is back. Judy. Yay. This is very much Bohemian Rhapsody, Iron Lady, My Week with Marilyn. You know, it's that very average movie, biopic type, but with one standout lead performance that really carries it through and she is just oh like her singing on stage like during somebody's like mid applause in the movie mm. when when one of her numbers ended i mean like the, the, the crowd was just like yeah you know like going crazy for her really really awesome stuff well i'm glad that my instinct to put her into my best actress prediction very early on seems to be uh, a good thing <laughs> It's so nice to see her back. And yeah. you know, I had my doubts about this when the movie was announced because Judy Davis as Judy Garland in the TV film almost 20 years ago now, she is so incredible and captured this essence of Judy Garland that I don't think anyone else would be able to do. So when you hear that Renee Zellweger, as great as she is, is doing Judy, you tend to hold your breath. But to hear this reaction and hear that she really does knock it out of the park really gives me hope. As soon as I saw the trailer, I knew she was perfect. And I know Renee Zellweger, she's been away for a while. But when she signs on to something, she puts 110 into it. And she really is, you know, that chameleon type of actor. And I think seeing the trailer just, like, 
solidified that thought for me. And I'm just so incredibly happy that it's getting good praise and she's getting good praise. I would love to see her get this nomination. It's been a while since she's been nominated. And I'm just happy to see her because she is one of those just like light. She just loves to do what she does. And she, you know, she doesn't like the, she doesn't want to be like famous. She doesn't want to be in front of lights. She just wants to do good work. And hearing her do interviews and hearing her speak about it is one of the coolest things ever. So I'm just really happy that she's here and that people are gravitating towards her again. There is definitely a excitement. People are rooting for her. People want to see her do well. And I think that's going to help a lot. Yeah. All right. And then moving on from that, uh, I saw Motherless Brooklyn, Edward Norton's uh, Vanity Project, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, I will say this about Motherless Brooklyn. I actually liked it. I liked it more than I was expecting to like it. I thought I was going to hate it. And I actually really liked it. And part of the reason why is because I love movies like Chinatown and L.A. Confidential. I, like, I love those neo-noir type films. And this is definitely, definitely, definitely your classic neo-noir. And so if you love like that genre, I think Motherless Brooklyn, you're going to really dig it. I was also very, very surprised to find out that it's very much um, like a studio movie. It's not like a slow indie film, you know, that's like very gritty. It's got like that polished look to it. And it moves pretty well considering it's two and a half hour runtime. Uh Edward Norton's performance is a mixed bag for me. There are times where it's uh, kind of uncomfortable to watch because the, the, the portrayal of the Tourette's and knowing that he obviously doesn't have Tourette's uh, is sometimes played for uh, laughter. And I think that that just made some members of the audience a little uncomfortable at times. But then there are these moments where he's extremely clever and smart, you know, like kind of like a Sherlock Holmes, like he's the smartest guy in the room type. And he's also very tender and sweet in some of his scenes with Gugu Mbafa-Raw that it, 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 there were things to praise about it. You know what I mean? So I don't think he's in the actor conversation. I don't think the film is a contender for anything really major. Maybe like a production design or a costume design nomination. Maybe, you know? Yeah, it, it kind of sounded like the movie was just okay, that it wasn't a disaster, but it really didn't seem like it was anything too exceptional either. Right. Uh, and then just like I said, we're almost done here. Um, next, I saw uh, Terrence Malick's film, A Hidden Life, which I was really, really excited to uh, check out because I love narrative Malick. Badlands, Days of Heaven, The Thin Red Line. Like, I, like just, I think he's one of the most distinct and original filmmakers out there. Nobody's got a style like Terrence Malick. And when people try to emulate that style, we compare it to him, you know? So he is just one of those guys that's in a league of his own. And his last three movies, in my opinion, absolutely sucked. So when I heard that this actually had a story and a, like an actual screenplay, I was like, yes. Sign me up, please. I will gladly sit through three hours of Terrence Malick if I know that there's a story to grasp onto there. And I would say this, if, you know, listen, this isn't going to convert anybody to the uh, religion of Terrence Malick. All right. If you don't like Terrence Malick, you're not going to like Hidden Life. Plain and simple. If you can kind of get on board with Terrence Malick, you might like A Hidden Life. And if you're on board with Terrence Malick, you're going to like A Hidden Life. Plain and simple. Yeah. I can be very like up and down with him. Sometimes I think he could be a very interesting filmmaker, but 
a lot of times I just feel like he's working through like these ideas of movies, but not really concrete uh, aspects of them, even with some of the ones that are very well respected. And I kind of feel like A Hidden Life doesn't really convince me uh, otherwise of that notion. It feels like it's still going to be a movie that is going to be very indulgent on a lot of things that he's known for. And like you said, Matt, if you're into that style from him, you're going to dig it. But if you aren't, you're going to be frustrated by it. So I want to remain hopeful, but I'm not entirely enthusiastic about this movie as a lot of other people are going into it. Uh, of course, cinematography, no joke. It's not Emmanuel Lebesky, but man, oh man, is it gorgeous. Every shot could be framed. It's pretty incredible. And my biggest takeaway from the movie was James Newton Howard's score, which plays a little bit in the trailer, but it has kind of like that 1990s uh, kind of a throwback feel to the score. Like, I just feel like a lot of scores nowadays are mostly electronic and done with synthesizers and things of that nature. So it's really, really great to hear a traditional score. And I think it's beautiful. I, I would love, 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 love to see him get a nomination for this. Um, it was, for me, my favorite aspect of the entire film, actually. And I can't wait to re-listen to it again. Now, Matt. Yeah. Do you still think that Malik can win for this? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have him still uh, predicted for a nomination. I think that picture, director cinematography and uh, score um, are what I have it in for right now at the moment. I mean, but also too, at the same time, I will change that stance if um, the reviews for the film don't continue to get maybe just a tad bit better because right now I feel like the reviews are respectable, but they're not enthusiastic. So I, I might take it out uh, pretty soon. Maybe, maybe just a low nomination for James Newton Howard until proven otherwise, but I, I, I liked it. I thought it was his best work since The Tree of Life. And if that film could get in for some major nominations, I was like, well, why why can't this, you know? So well, Yeah, but The Tree of Life also won the Palm Door. You know, the, that movie was very, very well received. And it, like you said, A Hidden Life just seems to be like people respect it. They admire it, but it doesn't seem to be this effusive praise for it. And that, to me, I kind of feel like you need that for Terrence Malick in order to break into the major categories at the Oscars. And just from my perspective, it doesn't seem like A Hidden Life necessarily has that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I fully understand what you mean by that. Like I said, I'm probably going to end up taking it out uh, probably within a week out of my predictions. Um, I have it in there still for now, but uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously, as more films continue to premiere at TIFF and so on and so forth, uh, you know, the, the field just becomes more stacked. And yeah, you're right. If the enthusiasm's not there, it gets pushed out. You know, that's just the way it works. Uh, speaking of enthusiasm, uh, Pain and Glory saw Pedro Almodovar's latest film with Antonio Banderas. And I got to say, I like Antonio Banderas in this a lot. I really, really do. I'm a little iffy on the best actor talk now. The performance didn't wow me the same way that I thought it would heading into it. He's still really good, and it's still, like, one of the best things he's ever done, if not the best thing he's ever done. But I can't say that I was so floored by it that I would immediately put him into my actor predictions, no questions asked, and I definitely would not put him in for a win. Good yeah, I don't know if I'd go so far, even in my predictions, to say he's winning, but I do feel like there is a very strong narrative for him, considering that he has this very long career, and 
has never been in the conversation for something like this before. It's for an Almodovar film, which he has had this very long relationship with. He's essentially playing Almodovar in the film. It, it just seems like that narrative is almost too good to pass up. And I just feel like there's going to be a lot of goodwill for him going into this season to get him nominated for this film. Mm-hmm. Michael, what do you think? Because I think you're predicting it for some pretty... Uh or were predicting it like for things like screenplay director. Yeah. Uh, I was predicting at one point, but the season has shifted. It's still in contention, but I no longer have it in those top, top categories. Even for, uh, Antonio Banderas, I have him at my number five at the time being, but best actors really starting to take shape. And there are a lot of contenders competing for, I think those final few slots. So, you know, he's in there now, but I could easily see someone like Michael B. Jordan or Christian Bale, even Joaquin Phoenix bumping him out at the end of the day. Because, you know, Sony's, Sony Pictures Classics uh, tends to be hit or miss lately. I think it's good for a um, foreign language uh, film nomination, though. I, I think it's still in the hunt for that. It's actually one of my favorite uh, Pedro Amadovar films. I, I really, really did like the look into this uh, this artist's life and his reflection on um, his past and where he's currently at. I mean, I, I, I dug it. I really did. I think it'll all depend on how they run the campaign. Yeah. 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 Uh, final film at Telluride. Uh, not much to talk about with this one, only because this will be a 2020 release. Uh, was called The Climb, which had its premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. And all I'll just say about this one, because I'm sure I'll talk about it, obviously, next year, um, is that it's really funny, very clever, extremely dark. And it it was described to us as sideways on bikes. And the first scene of the film, this like long 10, 15 minute scene that I think played out all in one take because there are multiple scenes in the film that play out in these extravagantly staged long takes. Um, I thought the whole film was going to be one take after like the first like seven minutes. I was like, oh my God, is the whole movie just them on the bikes exchanging dialogue and the camera just keeps following them? Like, this is amazing. But no, it does change um, after that. The film is broken up into a couple of acts. But um Essentially, what ends up happening, it's about these two men's uh, friendship with one another and (laughs) how one friend kind of just keeps on sleeping with the other person's girlfriend or fiance and like keeps ruining his relationships. It's it's really funny, but um, also uh, dark, tender. And and it's a lot. It's a lot of things rolled up into one. Sounds like a lot. (laughs) Overall, I mean, I I saw quite a bit of films over at Telluride this year, and it was an extremely positive experience for me. I was told by some people that it was a very bad year for Telluride, which I can kind of understand because I looked at previous lineups from other years and I was like, okay, I can see where people are coming from with this, but this was my first and it will always hold a special place in my heart for that. And it was so great to just meet up with people like Scott Mance, Chris Tapley, uh, Clayton Davis, Eric Anderson, you know, people who I've met before, people who I haven't met before. And I got to give a shout out to Sasha Stone at Awards Daily also for just accommodating me and uh, guiding me through and just giving me like just this amazing, amazingly positive experience that I'll never forget. So hopefully I can go again next year. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everyone. This is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano da Silva. And this is Walter Vinci. And together we are the First Time Watchers podcast. Each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers Podcast. As well as on Stitcher. 
And we love interacting with our listeners. So if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet, an email, or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talking about what we love, movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And, oh, no, look, no, let's no, talk stop, about stop, this stop, minutiae Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And shut I up. wonder shut who the gap can God damn it, shut up. up. I think that's enough. Oh, my God. Go by the All right, so now let's move over to Venice. Oh man, Woof. yeah, very what a festival! <laughs> oh my god, um, we have two trailers to talk about uh, for films that premiered at Venice. Uh, they are *The Laundromat* and *The King*. But I want to first start off with the Golden Lion winner, guys. Todd Ugh. Phillips' Joker won the Golden Lion. <laughs> what is happening right now? It's a good question. I, I look. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't speak to whether or not I feel like it deserves this or not. But it does just seem very bizarre to start this Oscar season with a big win for Joker. And it kind of leaves me at a loss as to what to expect for the rest of the season, honestly. (laughs) It just seems so bizarre that I would be saying... Golden Lion winner Joker. I, I just never thought I would say that. <laughs> the last two winners of the Golden Lion have been The Shape of Water and Roma. All right. Just a little context there for people. And I know for a fact, listen, I know because we've just, we've talked about this before. I think we're all heading into Joker with open minds about the movie itself. However, one cannot escape that there has been a lot of pre-discussion on the film in regards to its subject matter, its content, how it handles it. But the overall reaction from its premiere in Venice was positive at the end of the day. Now, do we take that with a grain of salt? Do we think the worst is yet to come? Is this the green book of 2019 as far as film Twitter versus the industry? Like, I don't know. All I do know is that I have never wanted to see this movie as badly as I do now. I just, I I cannot wait to finally just see it and make up my own mind about it. Yeah, Yeah. I'm beyond excited to see it. Uh, I don't think the discourse online has even begun, which is sort of terrifying to me. But, uh, you know, let that play out the way that it does. I don't really care what direction it goes in. I'm just eager to see it for myself because it sounds like a pretty incredible movie based on these reactions. Yeah, as a person who grew up in like the world of comic books and Marvel and DC and all that, I'm glad that a film like this is being made. And I also do know, like my brother is obsessed with DC and Batman's his guy. And the Joker, even if you don't like comic books, is probably one of the most known villains in visual storytelling, in film, and literature, especially in the comic book realm. So I kind of know the story that their Todd Phillips is basing this on. And if they're going to go there, I want them to go there. I don't want them to sugarcoat the Joker and make him cartoony because that's not who he is. He is this sadistic guy. But also I can see the world getting really offended by what's going to happen, just like knowing the events. So I, I'm excited that they're going I'm excited that the film is staying true to the character and isn't backing down because they're afraid the world might not react well to it. Like if they Philip said he's going to make a Joker movie and he made a Joker movie. So I'm excited about that. I'm also kind of uh, excited about this whole thing that we've been seeing lately, regardless of what you think of the movies themselves. But like Adam McKay, Peter Farley, Todd Phillips, these 
you know, comedy studio directors who have moved over to make uh, awards prestige films. Uh, you know, there's yeah, well, some... let's not forget Todd Phillips was the 2006 Oscar nominee for mm-hmm. Borat. Yeah, let's not forget. <laughs> I mean, I, no, 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 no. no, no. I, I, I like Borat. I do, I do. It's just I wouldn't consider that to also either be like awards prestige type, you know, type of movie either. I mean, yeah. Borat is awesome. He first started to show signs of this, I think, in 2016 of him doing a crossover with War Dogs. I know it, not a ton of people saw that movie, but the, those of us who did, I know, Matt, you and I actually did that podcast together back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were, I think, were sort of mixed on it. I really liked War Dogs, and I mm. thought it showed a lot of potential for him to do something a little bit broader and, uh, you know, to leave his comfort zone. So I think that was the test ground, and this is where he's really getting to show off his skills. Yeah, I admired that he was doing something different at the end of the day. And it seems like with this, you know, I, like I said, I don't want to pass judgment on it already before I see it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I've heard it's like a mixture of Taxi Driver meets the King of Comedy. And just like how War Dogs also had some of those Scorsese influences, it seems like he hasn't really maybe found his own style yet. But I will say that the level of style that he has brought to his movies so far, I have found it to be entertaining. Like, I find The Hangover to be a very entertaining studio comedy. I found War Dogs to be entertaining uh, at at certain points. Like you said, Michael, I was mixed on it. And I think Joker, especially like with the uh, cinematography and supposedly the score I've heard is really good too, that there might be enough in there along with, of course, Joaquin Phoenix's uh, performance, which... I'm, guys, I, I'm, I, I've, I've thrown him in my predictions at this point. I, I feel like until proven otherwise, I kind of have to. Yeah. You know, I don't have him for a win, but that it's Joker to me seems like the kind of movie where it's like, yeah, we're not going to go anywhere near best picture. But Joaquin could be that film's representation, obviously, throughout the season. It could go in so many different directions. It could get a lone makeup nomination. It could get Joaquin. It could get picture Joaquin screenplay and tech. I mean, it could go in so many different directions. We just don't even know where to begin. Ryan C. Showers thinks it's going to do uh, what Nightcrawler did, where he thinks it's going to uh, Joaquin's going to like run the season with nominations across the board. He'll miss the nomination, but he thinks it will get a screenplay uh, nomination. That's what uh, he's that currently sounds predicting. realistic to me. I think I could yeah. get on board with that. Yeah. But there's similar characters from the sound of it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So other uh, films that did premiere at Venice um, that are also showing over at, uh, well, one showing at TIFF. Uh, the other one is just Venice. Uh, two trailers back to back here. Uh, first up, Steven Soderbergh's uh, newest film, The Laundromat, starring Antonio Banderas, Gary Oldman, and Meryl Streep. This is going to be a Netflix film. Let's take a look at the trailer for this one. First, you must ask yourself, are you wealthy? Super truth of the world is that most games, for someone to win, well, someone has to lose. <laughs> Think of this as a fairy tale that actually happened. There's confusion over who has to pay. So they drowned Joe and 20 other innocent people. And somebody's making money from it. It all goes back to this law firm, Mossack Fonseca. So what happens next? What do we do next? Oh, I did was try 
and send money. It's a scam that goes from Houston to the West Indies to some bank who knows where. They're getting away with murder. Which is bad. Bad? Yeah, bad is such a big word for being such a small word. I'm gonna get your back. Gonna go out on the town. Bribery, corruption, money laundering, millions and millions and millions of dollars. Somebody has to sound the alarm. Shit. Let's. Where the fuck is my money? Most of the time, we don't even know. You know, it's really a shame that no one here likes Meryl Streep. It's <laughs> really disappointing. Well, Michael, I will say this about that. I heard that there were some people at Venice that were pretty perplexed by Meryl Streep in the laundromat. Yes, yeah, so without diving into spoilers for anyone who hasn't read these reviews, apparently there is a, a mini controversial element to this movie that I don't know how it plays out. I want to wait and see the movie to understand the context of it. But uh, we could talk about this more once. I think we all have seen the movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, the initial reactions to this were pretty mixed. But I think the yeah. one thing everybody agreed on was the quality of her performance was pretty remarkable. So I think we might be looking at Lone Merle nomination and then move on. Mm-hmm. And if this element that I'm suggesting, you know, turns out to be more than, you know, just something taken out of context, then maybe not even that. But uh, I, I think these are smart people who... Uh, you know, I, I would like to believe they know what they're doing here. So I just want to wait and see the movie before talking more about it. Totally fair. Totally fair. I get it. And, you know, this isn't the first time that Meryl Streep has done something like this either. In terms of, you know, uh, donating some makeup and uh, giving a extremely transformational performance where people don't even know it's her. Apparently it plays a role in the very end of the movie where, uh, again, I'm not going to say anything for spoilers, but uh, it plays a role in the story at the very end. I have to admit, though, in terms of the trailer itself, I was a very uh, I was a little underwhelmed. I, I kind of like and also the reactions out of Venice were not necessarily the most um, enthusiastic. So I, I only had it predicted for Merrill in supporting and a screenplay nomination first. But um, I actually removed both of them, believe it or not. I can feel that. I, I think Soderbergh is a filmmaker that is very hit or miss, especially just for me personally. When he makes a movie that is very entertaining and enjoyable, I can really get into it. But I think his filmography is also just littered with movies that I'm just like, yeah, they're they're fine. And then I never think about them afterwards. And I feel like after watching this trailer, particularly, it feels like it's going to fall into the latter category for me. It, it looks like it might be an entertaining watch, but I don't know if it's going to have that much staying power, especially when you consider Netflix's slate this year. This one seems kind of destined to just kind of get lost in that shuffle. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> yeah, it just didn't take the same uh, vibe and tone that I maybe had predicted in my head for it. Um, I'm still excited to see it because it's still Soderbergh at the end of the day. And anything he makes is, uh, you know, worth checking out, you know, whether for good or for ill. I think he's just a very exciting filmmaker. So there is a bit of anticipation here, but definitely a lot less than what there was before. Go watch The Informant. That came out a decade ago this month. And I feel like that movie still hasn't gotten the love it really deserves. Michael has been trying. He will keep trying. 
<laughs> it is just a fantastic Matt Damon performance, wonderful Marvin Hamlish score, and it seems to be running in the same wheelhouse as the laundromat. I really, really also like Logan Lucky, if we're going to just throw some praise at uh, Soderbergh for a second. I know that was one that didn't really find uh, an audience necessarily, but I really, really enjoyed that one. And I mean, have any of you seen High Flying Bird on Netflix? Yeah, I really like High Flying Bird. Yeah, Josh Williams also really, really enjoyed that one, too. That was an early film release. Uh, yeah, from yeah the beginning of this year, actually, now that I'm thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, didn't it drop in like February? Mm-hmm. Yeah, February. I'm usually yeah. on top of all of his stuff, and I still haven't seen that or Unsane. Unsane is great. Unsane is awesome. <laughs> Unsane is amazing. I am on the opposite end of the spectrum with <laughs> Unsane. That's, no, and and that's Unsane. totally understandable. I, I get that that was a very... You either love it or you hate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or you're terrified. <laughs> yeah. I kind of hated that movie. But I understand why people love it, but I was not into it. <laughs> and, you know, Soderbergh just goes so fast. He did the laundromat, premiered it at... Venice. And then there was talk maybe two weeks ago that he was doing a movie with Meryl Streep and Lucas Hedges and Diane Weist and Candace Bergen. And it was just being announced. It's going to be for HBO Max. So we're thinking, okay, great. They're going to start filming once he's done a Toronto. Candace Bergen goes to Instagram the other day and goes, oh, yeah, Steven Soderbergh just wrapped filming on this movie. We're like, what? (laughs) What? It's that fast. He's done. Literally. I, I feel like he has made more movies since announcing he was going to retire than he did before. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. He's just really unbelievable. Another person who's uh, pretty unbelievable is Timothy Chalamet, or as the internet would have you believe. Uh, everybody seems to be pretty obsessed with him, and for good reason. Very, very talented young actor, and he is continuing to expand his range with another film that premiered over at Venice. Uh, We have a trailer for The King, another Netflix title. Uh, This one is directed by uh, David Michaud, who gave us um, Animal Kingdom, and what was the other one he did? The Rover? The the Rover, yeah. Yeah. Like The Rover. I like that movie, too. Let's take a look at the the trailer for this one, see what we think about this. Do you feel a sense of achievement? In any regard. Do you? A new chapter of my life has begun. Already I can feel the weight of this crown I wear. I've been forced to rely upon the counsel of men whose loyalty I question every waking moment. I need men around me I can trust. I'm here because you are my friend. King has enough friends. King has only followers and foe. But I will come with you. All hail, King Henry! Okay, so here's here's the thing with this. I was hoping, based on this trailer, that it would be better than Outlaw King, but the reviews coming out of Venice suggest that it is pretty much another Outlaw King. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not going to go anywhere near the awards conversation. It's kind of a miracle that these types of films even still get made. Um, It's probably Mm -hmm. no coincidence that they've also been made by Netflix 
both years as a result of that. And it just seems to be like a very middle of the road type of film. And I'm someone, obviously, as you guys know, I I love the medieval epic. I love Braveheart, Lord of the Rings, obviously things like Game of Thrones, you know? So like, I I really get down with this genre a lot, but it's like, it's like saddening to me that uh, Hollywood has been kind of incapable of putting out like a really, truly, truly great one in God, like. many years maybe over a decade even since what kingdom of heaven and that was a director's cut for goodness sake (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's some nice shots in this trailer yeah but for me like i don't know if it's just i said this when i saw the little woman trailer i just can't see timothy chalamet in this time period he still looks like a kid from 2016 or like this time period and so seeing him in these like close speaking these words, like I'll get into the trailer and then I'll see him and he pulls me right out. So I don't know if it's a, just a casting choice for me or just maybe the way he's acting or the direction. I just don't see him in like a pre-1900 world. I, I agree with you because I felt the same way about the Little Women trailer as well. But with this one, I think it's the accent. You know, like when I, I think it's the accent and also too, he just has this very intense look about him like that brooding stare that i feel Mm -hmm. like he's more suited for this maybe more so than i felt like he was in the uh little women trailer maybe i'll have to yeah like he really sticks out in little woman Mm -hmm. but i'll have to like look here but i just don't like he's very much like a modern leading man which is totally cool yeah but i'll yeah i have to see more of this to just remember right now he still looks like you know, it was just like a skater boy who's like playing <laughs> king. And I'm just like, what's going on? And I know, uh, Casey, uh, you mentioned the cinematography. That's um, Adam Arkapar, who did uh, Macbeth. Yeah. And I felt it reminded me of the Macbeth trailer. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember that trailer playing a lot that entire season and me being like, well, this looks really well shot. <laughs> <laughs> Fitting. I also feel like I think I saw a lot of reviews and this isn't seen in the trailer that like Robert Pattinson is real wacky and that's like one of the most interesting parts of the movie so <laughs> that wig that that wig. <laughs> i've heard that he has a ridiculously over-the-top french accent that's what i that's what i heard yeah uh, I, i've heard that too there is a bit of me that's like <laughs> i i hope there is like kind of a camp element to it that it just like yo rob Pattinson, you're just in the wrong movie bro <laughs> like, i yeah. see the meme already yeah <laughs> But, you know, this was also co-written by Joel Egerton, who I think has been a very solid uh, writer so far with some of the scripts that he has uh, turned out. I mean, like I said, Outlaw King was a very severe disappointment for me last year. Um, I know for some other people, for a few brief seconds, it was not. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, y'all remember that. (laughs) And so so with the king i'm hoping for just an overall stronger movie um but it just seems from the reactions out of venice that it's pretty much more of the same yeah the the reaction just sort of sounded like it was okay and i kind of got that sense from the trailer honestly it it seems like a movie that i i don't know i'm still sort of interested in seeing it but my expectations have been tempered a bit it doesn't really feel like it's going to be something i I'm going to immediately seek out. It might be one of those titles that I will just wait until it's on Netflix and I'll just watch it there instead of in a theater. Yeah, yeah. Totally understandable. I get it. And uh, yeah, got nothing else to add to that one. Hey, everyone. I'm Aaron. And I'm Patrick. And together we host the Feelin' Film Podcast, a show that focuses more on the emotional takeaway from a movie experience rather than its technical merit. 
Yes, sir. Talking about what we love about film and focusing less on the critical side of things makes for a very entertaining and enjoyable discussion. New episodes drop every Monday morning, and you can catch them on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many other podcasting networks. You can also find out more about the show at feelinfilm.com. In the meantime, as we say on the show, stay positive and keep feeling film. Now we're going to move over to Tiff. Uh, and we're going to actually hear right now from our very own Dan Bayer on what he's got going on over there at the moment. Uh, he is currently at the festival. I, I believe he's on day four right now. Uh, and he's there for, I believe, one more day. So let's uh, touch base with him and see what he has thought of the festival so far. All right. Coming to us from the ground over at the Toronto International Film Festival, it's our very own Dan Bayer, who is attending his first ever film festival over at TIFF this year. Dan, what is it like being at a film festival, first and foremost? Uh, it's incredible. It is a... <laughs> I have never seen so many movies and so compressed a time period. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am on day four, and I gotta say, it's... If I never see another movie again for the rest of my life, I may be okay with that. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm so close to the Irishman. So close. <laughs> I know, so close. But you know what? It's it's been an incredible time and I'm getting to see, you know, a lot of movies that sort of run the gamut from I just got out of and have slightly recovered from uh, a beautiful day in the neighborhood Ooh. and I'm in a theater seated for a tiny Canadian indie called and 13,000 feet. And like, there's no other way there's no other place, even in New York city that I could even contemplate doing such a thing. It's kind of incredible. <laughs> Well, you certainly have seen uh, some of the uh, big movies uh, so far. Um, others yeah. uh, you'll catch, um, I believe. When's your last day? Tomorrow? Tomorrow is my last day, yeah. Okay, so some of them you'll catch up with uh, tomorrow. But for now, mm -hmm. uh, why don't you uh, just walk us through uh, what have been some of the uh, the big ones that you've seen so far that have stood out to you? <sighs> Um, my, my favorite so far has been, uh, Brazil's submission for the international film Oscar, the private, the invisible life of Yuritsi Guzmão. Okay. It's outstanding. Um, so great, fantastic performances and great storyline and everything. Um, the other one, uh, that I really enjoyed that I surprisingly enjoyed is called Hope Gap with Annette Benning and Bill Nagy. Um, based on a play, and it very much feels like a film adaptation of a play, but the two of them are so fantastic and perfectly cast. Uh, and then my, I just got out of A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which is... It, <laughs> it's perfect. Oh, man! <laughs> it's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> I mean, I am an easy mark. I was a huge Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood kid, but and the movie is sort of structured like an episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And I, it, it's just magical. It, it is so much better than I expected in such different ways than I ever would have imagined. Well, with that said then, um, can we expect to see outside of Hanks and supporting, can we expect to see stuff like screenplay or Marielle Heller in director, picture, things like that? Absolutely. The, the script and directing really take this to unexpected places. Um, and I, I think she's definitely in consideration for both of those. And even Matthew Reese, 
um, in lead and Chris Cooper in supporting. Really? Say, or, or, yeah, I mean, uh, Chris Cooper plays uh, Matthew Reese's dad, who is dying, and he's fantastic. Um, and Matthew Reese, like, is a solid an anchor as you could possibly hope for. Okay. Wow. I, I, have they confirmed that Hanks is going supporting? Because honestly, they could put him in lead too. It's been heavily speculated that he is there. They haven't come out and said it officially, but people we trust have put him supporting. Yeah. Yeah. He could be either lead or supporting, and either way. If he's not in, I riot because he's brilliant. <laughs> he's this is his best work in years, and and that's saying something. You mean like when you say in years, are are you talking like from Captain Phillips, or even better than that? Um, probably for, since Captain Phillips. Oh, yeah, that's still great. Yeah. That's still high praise. He, yeah, it's his face, and I gotta <laughs> say, like Marielle Heller, like. I, I was talking about this with uh, my roommate here, Nathaniel Rogers of the Film Experience, how so many movies just like are overusing close-ups and shot reverse shot stuff and not presenting characters in enough like scenes together. And God bless this movie for knowing just when to go in for a close-up. It, it, it's so impactful and so powerful, and I'm I'm not over it. But then again, I just got out like five minutes ago. So. <laughs> Let that festival hype wear off, my friend. <laughs> I, this is not hype. This is the real deal. Awesome. I gotta say. That's really, really exciting. Um, yeah. You also saw one that I know that we um, have a trailer uh, that we're discussing here as well. Uh, just Mercy, uh, Destin, uh, yes. Daniel Cranton's latest film. Uh, so what did you it think is. of that one? Um, it is solid. It is about as good a courtroom drama as we have seen in recent years. Um, it's It wasn't exceptional for me, I'm, but I have no doubt that people are going to love it and respond to it. It definitely ends uh, very strongly. It ends stronger than it started, actually. And Jamie Foxx is a shoe-in for supporting actor nomination. Okay. So he seems to be getting all the buzz. What about yeah. Michael B. Jordan and Brie Larson? How are they? It, Brie Larson is barely in it. There's not really a lot of meat for her to chew on. Michael B. Jordan, I think, is... It's a very subtle performance. He underplays it, which I think is smart. But we know that the Academy doesn't always go for the subtle performances um, when it comes to nominations. He's He definitely could get nominated, but I wouldn't predict him just yet uh, until the movie is seen by more people and we see how the the support for it is. All right. Good to know. Good to know. Anything else uh, that you want to just throw out there um, that has stood out to you so far? Oh, boy. Um, yes. Yes, actually. Um, my the Something that you, Matt, saw at Telluride, I got to see last night, uh, Trey Edward Schultz's Waves. And... Holy crap. Yep. <laughs> I, that is just absolutely fantastic. It is visceral and vital. And the the second half of the movie, I think, meanders a bit too much for its own good. Like, it's trying to figure out what it wants to say. But, oh, boy, see that on the biggest screen you can. It is absolutely incredible. Yeah, we were talking about it a little bit earlier, and I was telling them that I think it has prospects across the board. I only have it predicted for four categories at the moment, but yeah, there's yeah. a chance it could it could run the gamut and go the whole way if A24 yeah, like really pushes it hard. 
yeah, definitely. Like, I don't know how the Academy will respond to it, but they should consider it across the board. Absolutely. Although it was strange. I only watched the trailer for it afterwards. And after I had seen the movie, and like, I have to say, that is not the movie I saw. (laughs) That's what I was kind of alluding to as well. That that is not the movie at all. It's it's very dark, (laughs) to say the least. I, I think that people are going to be surprised when they see it, hopefully in a good way, possibly in a, I hate this movie because I feel lied to way. Uh, yeah. And then uh, the other film also that I discussed earlier that I saw at Telluride um, that you also have now seen at TIFF. Uh, what'd you think of Terrence Malick's uh, latest film, A Hidden Life? It is a Terrence Malick movie in every possible way. Um, I think, I need to talk about this. I agree. Like if it, cut about half an hour of it it gets very repetitive um it's it's gorgeous i understand why he wouldn't want to cut anything but cut like half an hour off that movie and it is just as if not more impactful i think um but cinematography score uh the performances it's it's all gorgeous all right and then uh just to kind of uh end things off here uh two last questions um, obviously, is there anything else that we're not uh, touching on that you think could also be an awards player so far? And then uh, what are you wrapping up with? What are some of the uh, other big titles you have uh, to see in your final day? Um, the other thing, uh, one that I was lucky enough to get into the premiere of a couple nights ago um, was a film by Gabriella Copperthwaite called The Friend, um, which is with Jason Siegel, Dakota Johnson, and Casey Affleck. And if I'm not sure that it has distribution yet or a release date, but if this gets strong distribution and a strong push and connects with audiences, which I think it will, I, I think uh, the three of them uh, could all be threats in the acting categories. It's it's very quiet, it's very subtle, but it's really well done and it's very powerful, especially if you've lost a family member to cancer. Uh, it's very, very moving. And I think the three of them could could show up in in acting categories wow uh if 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 people connect to it the problem is it's very small so if if it doesn't do well the box office it's dead in the water but if people really respond to it i think that can go the distance with the acting categories um and later tonight i am seeing the goldfinch uh then tomorrow we are it's a big day we're trying to do jojo rabbit and Knives Out, um, in addition to uh, Bad Education, uh, the new film from Corey Finley, who did Thoroughbreds with Hugh Jackman, and the premieres of The Laundromat and something else that I think I'm forgetting <laughs> because <laughs> there have been too many movies and my brain is in too many places right now. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you got a lot on your plate. Uh, it also sounds like that screening room is getting pretty full right now at the moment. So, is, Dan, yeah. we'll let you go. Enjoy your time. Uh, we're all incredibly yeah. jealous, obviously. <laughs> and uh, we really, really appreciate uh, all the work that you're doing. Thank you, guys. It was good to speak to you. All right. Take care, Dan. Bye. All right, really, really great to uh, touch uh, with Dan there for a minute and get to hear his thoughts on the Toronto Film Festival. Uh, What I want to do now is I want to just go over one final trailer here. I want to hear you guys, uh, what you all think, uh, based on what Dan has told us, and also to the trailer for Just Mercy, 
uh, the new Destin Daniel Crenton film starring Michael B. Jordan, Brie Larson, Jamie Foxx, and also, too, a standout Rob Morgan, if the reactions are to be believed, out of Toronto. So let's take a look. Tell me everything that happened. The first time I visited Death Row, I wasn't expecting to meet somebody the same age as me. From a neighborhood just like ours. Could have been me, Mama. But what you're doing is going to make a lot of people upset. You always taught me to fight for the people who need the help most. Your life is still meaningful, and I'm gonna do everything possible to keep them from taking it. You don't know what you're into down here in Alabama when you're guilty from the moment you're born. God! Mr. McMillan. We done here. Mr. McMillan, please. I was just about to give up when I got a call from a Harvard lawyer looking to start a legal center for inmates on death row. I was in before he even offered me the job. You the lawyer? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for driving all the way out here. Most lawyers barely make time to call. I can't believe you talked to all my people and said you are gonna fight for me. I did. It mean a lot. If you go digging in those wounds, you're gonna be making a lot of people very unhappy. When people care about a thing that much, they'll do anything to get what they want. When I first learned about all this, it was like looking at a river full of drowning people and not having any way of helping them. You ain't quit, Miss? No, sir. Each of us is more than the worst thing that we've ever done. I know what it's like to be in the shadows. It's my dad. He did nothing wrong. It's never too late for justice. You're the only one kid enough to fight for me. If we can look at ourselves closely, we can change this world for the better. We all need grace. We all need mercy. I got my truth back. You gave that to me. And ain't nobody gonna take that from us. This certainly does look a little bit more conventional than I was expecting it to, but it also does look like it has a lot of potential to be like a really good uh, crowd pleaser. And I am still rather interested in seeing it. I really like uh, Cretton as a filmmaker. He's made some really interesting movies, and this cast is really good too. So I'm still very eager to check it out. I, I gotta say, I mean. It didn't. Yeah, you're right. The conventionalness and also to some of the reactions I've been hearing out out of the festival also says it's very familiar, but powerful. So it's interesting because I know for some of us, we were predicting this to be a picture winner, maybe a win for Michael B. Jordan, the screenplay. Buzzes seem to die down on Michael B. Jordan. Buzzes just seem to die down overall for the film. The only thing that everybody seems to agree on is Jamie Foxx is absolutely outstanding in this. Yeah, which is pretty much kind of like the only place I had it in my predictions as well. I don't know, like, because I heard some people, and I think this is an unfair comparison, but I did hear some people out of TIFF compare it to Green Book a little bit in the sense that it is like that conventionally told movie, but it does still pack um, the kind of power that can work on a widespread level for a mass audience. Yeah, I mean, if last year has taught us anything, is that just because the critical reception on a kind of broad audience-pleasing movie isn't 
the warmest, that does not mean you should count it out in the Oscar conversation at all. Yeah. It could be one of those movies that gets like three nominations, maybe like picture, supporting actor, screenplay. And that's it. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, maybe. Dan seems to be very high on the editing. Uh, He tells me he thinks it could uh, land a nomination there. And uh, like I was saying before, I've talked to a couple of people who told me that Rob Morgan has a standout scene in the movie that's very reminiscent of like what Brian Tyree Henry had in If Beale Street Could Talk last year, that people were saying they should- The one that got him nominated, right? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Listen, I'm just saying that some people, I heard some people saying they should move Jamie Foxx into lead because very much I've heard that this is more of a co-lead situation um, that they will put into supporting. They should have Rob Morgan in supporting. That, that, I, I heard that from more than one person about the movie. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that Jamie Foxx is going to go lead. Lead or supporting? I'm sorry, uh, supporting. <laughs> okay, yeah. I think it's pretty clear he's going to go you know, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It, it seemed to me like they would push him supporting. That would seem like the easier place for them to get him in. Yeah. I, and I'm a little disappointed, too, that the buzz isn't there for now for Michael B. Jordan. Uh, maybe it'll come back. Maybe the industry will like it more than uh, the critics will, to Michael's uh, point. Or, I'm sorry, to Josh's point uh, before. So, I mean, because obviously he was so close with Black Panther last year. He was so, so close. Yeah, and instead they just uh, they gave it to somebody that really didn't need to be there. <laughs> so we're doing this thing or what? <laughs> with a chicken wing hanging out your mouth. That was basically like Sam Rockwell to the Academy. Like, you know, so we're doing this thing or what? Are you going to nominate me? The movie's a chicken wing. Uh. Uh, all righty, all righty. Uh, some other little tidbits uh, from Tiff. Uh, Dan touched upon it a little bit, but I want to hear what you guys think. One movie that we have not talked about that just had its premiere last night. Holy crap, was that a very enthusiastic response to the world premiere of Ryan Johnson's new film, Knives Out? Oh my god. Like, what do you guys think? Yes, yes, it was enthusiastic. Yeah. It mm-hmm. absolutely was. But let's just remember where we are here. I'm sure it's a great movie. I'm sure it's lots of fun. Can't wait to see it. But this is also a film festival, and it's a movie designed for this audience. I'm more interested to see what happens when it actually releases. Like, if this makes Mm -hmm. buckets of money, I'm going to be surprised, to tell you the truth. Yeah, thank you, Michael, because I really felt like I was sort of alone on this island of being a bit skeptical about this response. And like you said, I do have confidence that the movie is good, that it's very entertaining and enjoyable. But I also think this is a movie that is designed to work on that audience that saw it at that festival. And I wonder about how this is going to play to a larger audience. I do think that it might struggle to make money at the box office. And if it does, that's going to really put a dent in its chances. And, you know, the movie that is actually kind of reminding me, reminding me of a little bit and not so much in uh, story wise, because they're very different, but it reminds me a bit of widows. And Mm. that was a movie that I also felt like I see the critical response to it and people really liking it, but it's first and foremost being positioned as like this entertaining uh, crowd pleaser that's supposed to make money first. And if it doesn't do that, it doesn't matter how much good response there is to it. That's going to quickly fade away. So I hope that it's good. I hope that it can maintain itself, but I remain more skeptical than a lot of other people seem to be about this movie right now. You know, I was skeptical on the trailer when it first dropped. I know a lot of people really, really liked it. I didn't like the trailer and I'm hearing from people that have now seen it. They're saying, yeah, 
I didn't like the trailer either. The movie is far better than we expected it to be. And I've heard that it takes a lot, a lot of uh, shots at the uh, pro MAGA crowd. And there's a lot of interesting, uh, clever twists within the screenplay that people genuinely did not see coming. So my thought process now is while, yes, that enthusiasm is definitely there and we'll see how far it can go. Obviously, A, it needs to make money. B, that money could be hurt by its messaging to a wide demographic that could contribute to its box office. But if they keep catching wind of what the movie is ultimately about, they may stay away from the box office, kind of like what happened with First Man last year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for now, I have moved it into my original screenplay uh, category because I think Ryan Johnson, you know, came very, very close with Looper. I do think there is some industry sentiment for him after Last Jedi and uh, the undeserved backlash that he received from fans over that film. And if the film has great critical reception, does well, um, I'm very, very comfortable leaving it in that category and just that category for now until we get some more um, some more eyeballs on it. And I think to that's bring this fair. whole podcast full circle, I'm going to make a prediction here that this movie gets first manned in a different way. That the MAGA crowd makes a whole big deal out of it and it becomes like a Fox News punching bag. And they keep going on like, oh, Chris Evans and Daniel Craig, James Bond and Captain America hate America. And it's just going to become a thing. And it's going to play for two and a half weeks. People who see it will like it, but it's not going to make money. That's just my prediction. All righty. We got some fan questions here, some stuff that we didn't touch on in this podcast. Want to hear your thoughts on it. This one comes from uh, Rico's Mama at Fed underscore fan 81. Is Jennifer Lawrence and Hustlers a real threat for a nomination? Or do you think it's all internet chatter? You mean, Lopez? you mean Lopez? Who did I say? You said Lawrence. Well, J Law, J Low, you know. Jennifer <laughs> Lopez. American hustle. So hustle, hustlers. You know. American hustlers. <laughs> <laughs> this is the crossover sequel. <laughs> Can, if I'm being, if I'm being completely honest here, I thought supporting actress was looking a little weak uh, outside of Laura Dern and Annette Benning. So I found room to move her in for now, and I'm gonna keep I'm I'm gonna keep her there for now. It's not gonna happen. Why? It's one, th- it's one thing when Mary J. Blige crosses over and gives a strong, dramatic supporting performance in Mudbound. Because Mudbound is a traditional Oscar movie. They're not going to see Hustlers. I've heard that the movie is so much better than Everyone people. Everyone loved it, though. Yeah. Oh, I- I'm sure it's a fine movie. No, no doubt about that. This is just not in the Academy wheelhouse. I'd love you're to not see going to see Lopez nominated. You're not going Oscar. to see Widows with Strippers. That's not going to happen. Can you imagine if Jennifer Lopez gets nominated for an Oscar for playing a stripper? Like, come on. <laughs> like, what a world. If Joker they could play at Venice. They will with a heart of gold. They'll do that. This is, not, this is not the Academy I know. The Academy you know it's changing year over year, in my yeah. opinion. The Academy I know just gave Best Picture to Green Book. And Joker just won a Venice. Like, you never know. Yeah. yeah. I am prepared for anything to happen this season. I, I really am, too, at this point. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he will be there to present and tell A-Rod what happened when Gen- or when Glenn Close lost. You know, she'll be there. <laughs> not as an All right. So this is kind of, I guess, maybe tying into what we're talking about right now. Scott Kernan asks, out of the film festival reactions so far, which film that is slated to be a major contender do you believe stands a chance at fading away during its Oscar run? Well, would Knives Out count? No, we just, at least I kind of mentioned a little bit that I feel like the hype of that one 
I'm a bit skeptical of, and I don't really feel like it's as major contender that some people are making it out to be. You know, I wouldn't count that necessarily, only because I don't feel like that was necessarily like in our pre-predictions before its premiere, for the most part. I would say something like Just Mercy, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that fading. What do you think, Michael? I'm trying to think. I'm... You know, this doesn't premiere until the middle of the week at Toronto. Mm-hmm. And for all I know, it could be sensational. But I think we've heard enough pre-buzz uh, to give us an idea of what this movie's going to be. I don't see Lucy in the Sky being remembered past October. Okay. I can get that. All right, guys, put on your thinking caps. Let's work together as a team here. Ooh, oh, boy. Okay. Mason Per Year uh, at Unstoppable Rant asks us, what do you think is winning the three comedy musical awards at the Golden Globes this year? Oh, that's a good question. I could let's see. I will I will tell you this. If they put if they put Renee Zellweger in comedy musical, um, I, I think, think it was she wins. They're putting her in drama. I think that was like said recently. Yeah, well like yeah. She's definitely in drama. I mean the movie's I, was, I mean the movie's not a comedy, but she has there are musical sequences. Yeah, it's just she's saying it, it's good. Hey. Uh, they put my week with Marilyn in comedy for some ungodly reason. So who knows? Michelle Williams just needed an award, man. And they put Bohemian Rhapsody in a Star is Born in Drama last year. So who knows? It's right? gonna be up to the studio there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. See, it's a pretty weak year, I think, compared to something like I don't know, 2013, which they might not have been ha ha comedies, but you know, it was a nice mix of everything to really fill out the category. This year, I'm really struggling to come up with them. You know, Leonardo DiCaprio could win again for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and comedy musical if he was campaigned there. Drama. I think they yeah. want to build up the prestige. You know who I think could win there? Mm. If uh, DiCaprio does go drama, I think Eddie Murphy has that cut out for him. You know yeah. what? That is such a great uh, segue there, actually, because Dolomite is my name premiered last night. It got raves compared to something like ed wood the disaster artist uh two movies that you know obviously disaster artist for example one uh comedy musical uh, actor for james franco i yeah I, michael i think that's great great idea there eddie murphy winning uh for actor eddie murphy for actor oh you know what i bet jojo rabbit is a comedy musical oh yeah yeah and if it is and the premiere is today so we'll we'll know a little so bit. Would that be the child? No, no, no. I, I think I, I think for picture. I just think the movie for itself. Picture, would be yeah. Known. Yeah, I would go for picture with that for one. That's a winner. It's I don't know. Oh, cats will be nominated for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking about that. It's really going to be nominated. No, it probably will. I think Marriage Story will go drama. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So. And do we know where the, the laundromat would be placed? Maybe go. Which one? The farewell. The Farewell, I think, oh, man, that's another tough one, too, right? That feels like a very much a drama to me. Uh, what about but The I Laundromat? I can see them saying that in comedy. Laundromat, I would imagine, goes comedy, but I don't foresee a win for it, though. I mean, if the It'll field is weak it, enough. It, supporting doesn't matter because they mix everything together. If everyone really likes Hustlers, it could go into comedy. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Booksmart will get nominated, I think. That would be awesome. It should. It should. How awesome would it be if Charlize Theron got nominated for Long Shot? I bet she That's will. not going to happen. See, that. see Bombshell's shot. probably going to go uh, comedy musical. You think? Actually, no. What did they do with Trumbo? Did that go drama? Oh, man. I think that did go drama. Um, no, I think, I think it did. Drama, actor, Golden Globes. Bear with us. Listeners. 2015. It was drama. 
Okay, then forget it. Then that will get yeah. drama. Yeah. Uh, Little Women is not a comedy. No. But yeah. it's absolutely not a comedy. But I sort of get the sense that with, like, the Greta Gerwig touch that maybe there's something where they would say, oh, maybe we have a better chance of winning here a la Lady Bird. Sure. Like, maybe there's, like, a lighter touch to it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. That's just an idea. Nothing confirmed there. I'm telling you, it's not a strong year. Maybe Knives Out has its moment of glory here. I think it's a strong. Yeah. I think it's a strong year if they move certain things from drama into comedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if they try to pull, if they try to pull the stuff they did last year, where it was like, hold on a minute, you're going to move both of these movies that have musical performances into drama when in the past you've set a precedent that you've always put them into comedy musical. Like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah, <just laughs> you know, lame man. Either have separated categories or don't. Yeah. Just have 10 nominees, you know? Why not? Not hard. Yeah, seriously. Watch. Oh, one more prediction. One more prediction. Watch this happen. It's going to be such a thin category that you're going to see Best Actress in a Musical Comedy nominee, Kate Blanchett for Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Oh, my God. Yes, please. I could see that happening. I mean, I wouldn't be mad. I could see that happening. That's yep. going to happen. They, they did it with, like, Maps to the Stars. Remember that year? It was Julianne Moore and Quivenjene Wallace for Annie. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Blinded by the Light and Yesterday will get in. There you go. And this one comes from uh, John at EW.2480. This will be our last question here. Uh, Hey, everyone. Do you feel the same thrill of a highly anticipated movie being released if you've already seen it at a festival months earlier? I just wonder because I feel like I'd be both grateful to have seen some films early, but then the anticipation is also gone. Hmm. I mean, like, you are always going to be grateful to see something early and i think by the time it comes out you're mostly just excited to see what the reaction will be from other people to see how it plays to see what that response as it's out in the real world will be uh it's a different kind of anticipation obviously you've seen the movie already so you're not really like waiting to buy a ticket you know opening weekend but you're more so interested to see how it will now land with everybody else yeah i think the anticipation is like Especially if you like went to that film festival or whatever by yourself of like and the amount of time in between the film's premiere and its actual release of like getting to show it to people and whatnot. Like I know for me, like a couple years ago, Philly Film Festival's opening night film was I Tanya in the middle of October and it didn't come here theatrically until the beginning of January. And so that was like a cool like oh, I'm so excited for, like, people to see this one. So there's that feeling. And the way I see it is because I see movies theatrically every week, it's like extremely where I go a week without seeing a new theatrically released film. I don't think about it in those terms because if I'm seeing something early, my mind is already still concentrated on what I'm seeing next week and there is no gaps. So the anticipation for me is never really there because my mind is preoccupied with the next thing so when people say to me oh my god i can't wait for you know uh rise of skywalker which is coming on december well i've got like you know in my mind i'm like holy shit i've got 25 30 whatever films in between that i'm looking forward to you know what i mean so i don't think about it in those terms i i suppose as a result but you know there is something to be said though for going to a film festival i i would i would highly encourage 
everyone uh, that's on this podcast, everyone that's listening to this podcast, whether you're going as press or if you're just going as a, a fan, I mean, go to your local film festival and support local filmmakers, support uh, independent films, support whatever you can, obviously. It's a great experience. I mean, it may not be a TIFF, it may not be a Venice, it may not be a Telluride, whatever it is, but I guarantee you that the experience that one can have is so, so rewarding and not so much in the uh, feeling of, oh, I got to see something early, but there's something to be said for the community aspect of being surrounded by a bunch of people who are there for the exact same reason that you are, because you love movies. Yeah. I agree with that. And festival hype is something that obviously can be a very bad thing, but I also think there is something very magical about being in that room with a bunch of people that love movies as much as you do and are enjoying it for the same reasons that you're enjoying it. And that can be a very rewarding experience. And unlike something that you will ever find, even on like an opening night weekend, just with a regular audience, it really is something special when you go to a film festival. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great note to end it on. Lots to look forward to. So, so excited to hear some of the reactions uh, for the rest of TIFF. Obviously, like we said before, Jojo Rabbit, Harriet, Lucy in the Sky, a few others. We'll have some thoughts on that next week. And next thing you know, holy crap, the Irishman is right around the corner. (laughs) All three and a half hours of it. Let's do (laughs) it. We can do it. You know, somebody said to me recently, do you think the Irishman is, you know, with its runtime and just like the title and the people involved and so on and so forth, do you think it has like the ability to be like this generation's godfather and i was like oh let's <laughs> let's pump the brakes there a little bit but at the same time <laughs> yes <laughs> if it's good we shouldn't feel the length exactly exactly i could watch something endlessly if it's engaging and if it's awesome so totally agree with that Alrighty, with that said michael schwartz tell everyone where they can find you on the internet you can find me on twitter at m schwartz 95 Casey Lee Clark. You can find me on Twitter at Casey Lee Clark. Lauren LaMagna. You can find me on Twitter at Lauren Lamango. And Josh Parham. And I'm on Twitter at J.R. Parham. I'm on Twitter at Next Best Picture. Thank you guys so, so much for waiting two weeks for this episode. I promise you I'm going to do my absolute best to never have a gap ever again in the podcast schedule. It hurt me deeply after three years. Uh, I mean, listen, we just celebrated our third year of uh, Next Best Picture recently, and it was like, wow, celebrating three years, and how are we celebrating it? By not having a podcast this weekend. Fantastic. (laughs) Um, This podcast did go very, very long, and I also want to be very consciously aware uh, for all of you that I do have the winners of the 2015 MVP Film Community Awards. Uh, We are not going to announce them this week, but I promise you uh, next week we will announce those so that you guys uh, know how your votes are stacked up for that. And we also have one bonus episode this week uh, for The Martian on on our Patreon, which you'll be able to check out as well. And we'll finally be able to put a cap in our 2015 retrospective, which, as we've said before, was so much fun. And we thank you all for that. Thank you all for three years. 
Thank you all for your support. Thank you all for everything. It's the happiest time of year for all of us, and we all are so, so excited. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Rate us five stars. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate that level of feedback and the support, which, as I said before, you can go to Patreon, Next Best Picture, $1 minimum a month. We'll get you some exclusive podcast content thank you once again so much for listening as always we will be back next week i promise with episode 159 next time